Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Uh, tonight we're going to talk, uh, really our, our, last, our last message in this series we've been talking about, Seemingly Insignificant. Now I'm not going to not going to talk for maybe as long as I normally would talk on a Sunday morning, um, which is great, I know. Um, but I know our culture has an interesting way of treating people that are important people, people that are famous people. Maybe you've been around uh, in a city before, you've been to a mall or something, and, and you notice somebody that looked familiar, and you, you figured out why you knew them. It's because they're, they're somebody famous, you've seen them on TV, and we get really weird about that. We see people like that, and we're like, oh man, that person, they're on a... They're on a show that I've never watched or care to watch, but, but people know their face. I should get a selfie with them. And that's it's just how we treat famous people, important people. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I was fifth grade, and I had a, a, one of my best friends growing up. His family loved the Indiana Hoosiers. And the Indiana Hoosiers basketball team was playing in Minnesota against the Minnesota Gophers, and they knew I liked Minnesota sports and stuff, and so... They're like, hey, Kellen, you want to come with us to, to watch this game in Minneapolis? I'm like, yeah, of course. I love sports. Um, now, they're such crazy Indiana fans that they knew exactly the hotel that the Hoosiers were going to be staying at. So we got, a, we got a room at that hotel. They knew exactly what time the Hoosiers were going to be leaving the hotel to go to the stadium. And so, like a bunch of groupies, we got down in the lobby and we waited for them to walk out the door. And my buddy and, and his, his siblings, they're all like, oh, yeah, we're going to get autographs of, uh, the coach was Bobby Knight. Uh, many of you probably know the name Bobby Knight, legendary basketball coach, just passed away maybe in the last month or so. Um, they're like, we're going to get autographs of all the players. And, and I just never could do that. Uh, there was a part of me, it might sound weird to some of you, but I was a very, very shy kid. And I didn't like to go up and talk to strangers. I also was like, they're humans just like us. Why do I need their autograph? Um, but then there was also this part in me where I've, I had watched Bobby Knight throw chairs across the floor at referees before. And I'm like, I don't want to go up to that guy and like have him throw a chair at me. So I wasn't going to go get an autograph. But it's amazing how we are with famous people, with people who we see as significant. Uh, some of the greatest athletes and some of the greatest musicians in the world. They can't travel around the world without people following them like crazy. The paparazzi goes after them. Fans are running after them like crazy. The president of the United States has a secret service everywhere he goes. To the point that they even have to go to a city ahead of him and make sure that everything is going to be safe when he gets there. The lengths that we go to for important people are kind of crazy in our world. But then you look at the story of Jesus that we're we're reading about tonight and that we're looking at tonight. And Jesus came into the world without any fanfare whatsoever. There was nobody following him to Bethlehem when he was born. And I want to reread something that the, the kids read earlier from Luke chapter 2. Everyone went to their own town to register for the census. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And you read that and you're thinking, this, 
This Jesus is supposedly this king. And there is no guest room available for him in this, this room, this inn that he goes to. You know, any other king, there's no way that there would have been no guest room for them. They would have gotten to this, this little inn or whatever it was, and they would have found room for this king. And if the people that, that owned the place didn't find room for the king, somebody would have found room. They would have kicked out the, whoever was staying there. They would have made sure that, that this baby who was born into the world as a king had a place to stay. The Bible says, though, that he didn't even have a, he didn't have a bed. He didn't have a crib to, to lay in. All he had was an animal's manger. So Mary and Joseph, I'm telling you, if, if, this had, if Jesus had come into the world like every other king comes into the world, this story would have looked way different for Mary and Joseph. We read that they're on their way to Bethlehem, and they're, they're probably riding a donkey. It doesn't say necessarily. We, we have images of them riding a donkey because they were poor people. Um, but if Jesus came into the world like every other king, they would have been riding to Bethlehem on some amazingly beautiful stallion. They would have had uh, people before them and behind them with all the pomp and circumstance you can imagine of a king going into this small village. Trumpets would have been blaring as they came into Bethlehem. The shepherds that were out in the field that night and, and, and these angels came out and they sang to the shepherds. They wouldn't have gone out to the, to the fields to sing. They would have gone to the place where Jesus was born and they would have been singing out this, this heavenly chorus for everybody there to hear. If Jesus had come into the world like every other king, it would have looked way different than what it did look like. Jesus would have been presented to the religious leaders in the temple. He would have been taken before the kings and the queens, all these government officials, and, and they would have adored him. They would have given him glory. The baby would have been educated and he would have been bred to be this, this wise and this rich ruler. Unlike anything that we'd ever seen before. The people would have lined up for miles and miles and miles to see this king. But that Jesus would not have been the servant that we read about in scriptures. He would not have required us to become servants like him. In fact, people would have been serving him instead. That's not our Jesus. That's not the God that we read about. We read about a God who is a servant to all. Instead of being a public figure, he was a, who was adored by all, who was given glory, who, who everybody looked at as the best thing ever. Jesus actually chose another route. He didn't care about people recognizing him. He didn't, he didn't care about the one that people were coming to for autographs, if they did autographs back then. Jesus was okay, nobody knowing who he was, to the point that he would go and he would heal people. Later on in his life, he would heal people. And you remember what he would often tell them? He'd say, now don't go and tell anybody about me. Don't go and tell anybody about what I did. Do you know how crazy that is? I've never performed a miracle before, but I've, I've done some kind of cool things. And I've, I don't really think I have to go and tell anybody about it because I've already told people about all the things I've done. I don't know if you were ever an athlete back when you were in high school and now you're 30, 40 years old. You know what I mean. You tell people about your exploits. You like people to know what you did. I can, I can be driving around town and I can go and, and parallel park. And sometimes you know when you just parallel park really, really well. 
and you get out of the, I don't know about you, but I get out of the car and I look at it and, I'm, and my hands go up in the air and I'm like looking for people. Did you see that? It was amazing. I defy you to try to parallel park like me. It's, I get really excited about little things in life like that. And some of you are thinking, no, you don't do that. Ask my wife and my kids. I embarrass them just about any moment I can. The thing I like doing lately is going to the mall. And when I see Santa, I, I kind of go all like the movie Elf. And I'm like, Santa! My, my wife and my kids are like, stop it. And I even, my wife is actually like, don't do it. Do not embarrass us. Nobody likes it. I'm like, I do. It's pretty fun. <laughs> Got to be honest. I enjoy it. I, I have this thing in me where I don't mind people recognizing me, but that is not who Jesus was. I listen to Jesus heal people and then tell them not to go and tell anybody. And it floors me, to be honest with you. And the question is, why would Jesus be that way? Why did Jesus come into this world in such a low-profile way? Why did he almost go out of his way so that people wouldn't recognize who he was for such a long time? I think part of the answer is this. He came to show the, us the way of being a servant. He came, to become the, he came to be the lowly so that we would never get confused into thinking that we could be anything else but humble, lowly servants ourselves. Jesus came in a way that we wouldn't have expected. You know, if Jesus came and he sought out popularity and to live an extravagant lifestyle, the truth is, I think he would have been a lot easier for a lot of people to, to have followed. Maybe even a little bit easier to love if people could have just said, oh yeah, that, that Jesus is different. It might have been easier love, but it, I don't think it would have been life-changing kind of love. And you see, Jesus came to actually change us to change us at the inner core of who we actually are, to grab our hearts like no one else could grab our hearts. And if he could grab our hearts from the lowly, humble position that he chose to do it from, there was power in that. There is power for someone humble to grab a hold of our hearts. You see, most kings, other kings, could demand a following because they exerted their power. But Jesus is able to demand our following because of his selfless and his perfect love. Now, I'm, I'm going to make a confession this morning. Uh, I, I told this to our youth group last Sunday night. I've had this weird thing lately where I've... Normally, I like to watch, like, action-packed shows or, or movies when I go to bed. And lately, I have been wanting to watch what most of you would probably term as chick flicks. I, I don't feel proud about it. Um, I like to blame it on the fact that I live in a house with five other women... And estrogen is just like all over the place. Um, and so, I'll be honest, I watched a Nicholas Sparks movie the other day. And you might be like, well, that's okay to watch that with your wife. My wife was asleep. And I was just watching it because I wanted to watch a good love story. I think even most guys in here, would, would, if they were really going to admit it, we love a good love story. There is something beautiful about a good love story. But it's not, it's not about the... The guy who is this egomaniac who gets everything that he wants in life, including the girl. It's about the humble love story. There's something that, that attracts our hearts to a humble love story. And I'm telling you, there is no better humble love story than the, the love story of Jesus. Jesus gives us the greatest love story that's ever been written or even imagined. It's this time of year, I think, where most often where I think about 
how incredible this love story is. That we see it all the way from the book of Genesis all the way through Revelation. That the story of the Bible is a love story given to you and me. And every single bit of it, it points to Jesus. That we, are, that we live in a world where there is sin and we ourselves are sin-filled people. And Jesus loves us so much that he was willing to humbly enter into this world. I'm telling you, this is a love story that if it was put on a movie screen, every single one of us would be cheering for this story. But some of us, we don't cheer for the story because we don't, we don't see it as the love story that it is. I love how Paul talks about in Philippians 2, the message version puts it in such a beautiful way. It says, Philippians 2, when the time came, he, Jesus, set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave and became a human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. When Jesus... What he did in entering the world quietly, without any recognition whatsoever, it was exactly on point with the kind of humility that he was going to live his life with and the humility that he was going to die with. You see, Jesus was born in humility and he died in humility so that you and I could live in hope. There is something about a humble love that gives us hope. It's like when you're watching that, that love story, that movie, and something wells up in you. It's because that humble love story, it gives you hope for something better. There is no greater hope that we could imagine than what Jesus did coming into this world for us. You and I, we needed something special. We were born in sin. Every day we live in this world that is full of sin, and we see the effects of that sin every single day. And there's no reason why God had to come into this world himself and be the one to take care of that sin. But he did it. Matthew 1.21, it says that she, Mary, is going to give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save people from their sins. See, I love to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I think every single one of you probably love in your own way to celebrate the birth of Jesus. That's why you're here today. But celebrating the birth of Jesus is not the end of this story. We celebrate the birth of Jesus because of the way that he lived his life and the way that he died. That's why we celebrate his life. That's what makes Jesus go from this seemingly insignificant little baby that was born and placed in a manger. And he becomes the greatest love story that's ever been told throughout all of mankind. Jesus came to win your heart the hard way. He let every privilege he had as God go. And he took on himself the worst thing that he could take, your sin. That truly is the greatest love story. Paul said it this way, 1 Timothy 1.15. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. You may not like that last part there. When Paul writes that he is the worst sinner. But that is what we are. Every single one of us as we look at the humble life of Jesus, we sit in awe of who he is. We sit in awe of his perfection. And it causes me to say, you know what? I am the worst of sinners and I am one in need of the grace that Jesus offers. I am one that is in need of 
this incredible gift that he's given to us. Not just the gift of his birth, but it's the gift of his life and his death. We needed it. And some of you, you might be in this room and you, you've had a relationship with Jesus for a long time. My hope is when you walk out of this room, my hope is that you are in greater amazement and awe of what Jesus did for you than when you walked in here. Sometimes we forget. We forget what an, incre- an incredible gift it was that Jesus gave to us. We get caught up in what, what the secularized version of Christmas is. It's not just about gifts. It's not just about a baby. It is about a humble life that was given for you, lived perfectly for you, and then given up in death for you. Some of you, you may be far from God in this room right now. My hope is that before you walk out of here, you would realize this incredible gift that Jesus has given for you. It's the most powerful thing that we could ever, that we could ever take in is the love of Jesus. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.